This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. Do you like how chipper we sound when we're about to start talking about pornography? I have some crazy energy today, which you've been the beneficiary of, but I'm going to yeah. tone it down for this well, episode. One of us had a colonoscopy yesterday and it wasn't you. So you can tell why you have much more energy than I do. Although I will say I exercised this morning. I was very proud of myself. Well, I'm proud of you for having a colonoscopy. Yes. PSA, over 45, get a colonoscopy. And the nicest part about the colonoscopy was when I found out that I only have to do it every five years. I thought I had to do it every year. And I was like, oh, oh Vanessa, shit. honey, I could have saved you that <laughs> worry. No, no every year for you. And no pun intended, pun intended, because we can't help ourselves. So Car and I are going to meet somewhere in the middle of our energy levels when we talk about pornography, because it requires both seriousness and sometimes a sense of humor. Is that a fair point? It is. And this is a now what episode, but we are going to diverge from our usual format of taking a question from a listener and reading it and then answering it because many of you haven't had time to digest this newsflash or even hear about it, that there is a new study that has been published by Common Sense Media, who we love. It's a wonderful advocacy organization that we'll talk about in a minute. 
They do great research and they have published a new study just this week about teenager consumption of pornography online. And so before anyone even has a chance to ask the question, we are going to pose the question for you and answer it on a now what. And the question is, there's new data about teenage porn viewing online. Now what? And we have gotten listener questions saying, you know, I know my kid has seen porn accidentally and now what do I do with it? Or it's kind of sitting with my child in some way. How do I handle it? So it is on people's minds. We did do an episode on starter conversations about porn. And I think, Car, it makes sense to very quickly recap that so we can then move on to the new data and also our recommendations based on the data. And the starter conversations around porn was, if you have a 10-year-old living in your house, because we know, and this particular set of research tells us the average age of porn exposure is 12. We've been saying somewhere between 11 and 13, depending on the study. So based on this latest piece of research, average age is 12. But we also know if it's average, that means there's a bunch of kids who are seeing it before 12. If you have a 10-year-old living in your house with a device or not with a device, it's time to have a starter conversation about porn. And you can listen to the episode that we did which gives you a sense of what a starter conversation about porn might sound like. But this episode, because it's based in a report that's about teenage consumption, and Cara will go through all of the data, we'll link to the study from Common Sense in the show notes. This is about older kids. So this is not about starter conversations. This is what we can know from this report. And what the hell do we do with the information that we now have? So do you want to do like a recap on on what we know? Yes, I do. Because it always helps to understand who's in a study, how big a study is, when it was done. So Common Sense Media surveyed 1,300 kids from across the country in September of 2022. These were teenagers ages 13 to 17. Therefore, their parents had to agree that the kids could be in the study. So there might be a little bias there insofar as the parents understood that the kids were answering these questions. But I think it's a very insignificant bias, frankly. And so we are looking at a pretty good body of data. 1,300 kids is a really, actually a very nice survey size. Um, and they were able to answer a number of questions that spanned everything from do you watch pornography? And they defined pornography very clearly in the study. Do you watch pornography to what kind of pornography are you watching? Is there violence? Is there aggression in your pornography? To how are you watching that pornography? Are you doing it intentionally? Are you looking for it? Or are you stumbling upon it accidentally or someone showing it to you? These are all questions that come up all the time when we talk about kids and porn. And Common Sense actually asked. Can I get into some of the data, Vanessa? Yes, please. Okay. It's pretty remarkable. So in their study of 1,300 kids, the average age of first porn viewing was 12. And there's been a lot of research reported over the years, and it always toggles somewhere between 11 and 13. So this is right in keeping with that. But when they drill down into that population looking at, okay, kid by kid, when was your actual first viewing? 15% of the 10-year-olds they surveyed had seen porn. And if you get up to 17-year-olds, it was 73%. 
Now, let me be clear, they didn't survey 10-year-olds. So it was 13 to 17-year-olds who were being asked, when did you first see porn? And 15% of them said, I saw it when I was 10. Okay, that was how the question was asked and answered. And then by the time they were 17, it was 73%. Now, a couple of things. If the study looks at kids from 13 to 17, only a small group of the kids were already 17. So there were some number of kids in that study, many actually, who had not reached 17. So is the pipeline building so that the kids who are now 13 and 14 and 15 are going to be at a rate of higher than 73% when they get to 17? That's a question. And the data does show us that it's the 13 to 14-year-olds who have higher rates of porn consumption in the last seven days, not accidental but on purpose, than the 15 to 17-year-olds. Okay, so let's get to that last seven days piece because this was really interesting in the study. So they asked kids, if you watched porn, whether you did it intentionally or unintentionally, how many of you watched it in the past seven days. So seven days from when the interviewer was asking the question. For the kids who said, yes, I am intentionally looking for porn and seeking it out, 71% of them had looked for it, sought it out in the prior seven days, okay? But for the kids who said, I accidentally stumbled upon it, I was not looking for it, 63% of them said it happened in the last week. And what I took from that data was if 63% of the kids who weren't looking for it said, it found me in the past week, then the numbers from this study, I think, can be considered a floor. This is the lowest porn consumption. Because how about the kids who accidentally stumbled on it two weeks ago or a month ago or six months ago. And I don't know about your brain, Vanessa, but my brain and my kid's brain, we sometimes forget things. We sometimes don't report things. So this last seven days data is always interesting because it's sort of the freshest in your mind. And it also tells you about chronicity of use, but it makes you wonder if there's actually a larger group of kids who are trying to answer these questions honestly, but are not. Well, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and they're like, how much alcohol do you consume? And it's like, I have been underreporting that data for the last (laughs) 25 years of my life. So like, and that's alcohol, that's not porn. So you can imagine if people are sort of like editing themselves a little bit, then okay, well, let's think about what it really means. And again, we can't know. We're just extrapolating. Sorry, I just... No, it's so true. And then the other is this sort of accidental use. You brought up the really interesting point that there's accidental and there's accidental. There's the kid who's never seen porn before, who, you know, is on the bus and someone shows it to them or they're Googling a word and they get to porn versus the kid who's a porn consumer who just didn't mean to be watching porn that day. I thought that was a fascinating distinction. Well, it's like it just, it was like on their browser and they just like (laughs) accidentally clicked on that tab the same way I would like accidentally click on the Bloomingdale's tab instead (laughs) of the Google Docs tab. If that's, if you're wondering, that's my kind of porn. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it 
all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders, in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs 
per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. But yeah, there's a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) I can't shut up. This is my energy today. We need to talk about who's watching it accidentally and who's watching it purposefully. Can we do that for a second? Yes. And I would have loved if we were doing this with a live studio audience, I would have asked people to raise their hands about, do you think for instance, cis boys are watching it more on purpose than cis girls. And do you think hetero kids are watching it more frequently than LGBTQ? But what they do in this study, which is complicating, is they have transgender non-binary, and then they have another bucket, which is LGBTQ+. But we know that those can be overlapping categories. So that data is a little bit confusing. So you want to start with the obvious question, Cara? Yeah. So just for all kids, all respondents in this survey who are answering the question, how do you stumble upon your porn intentionally or unintentionally? 58% say total accident. Okay. 44% say I look for it purposefully. That adds up to more than 100%. <laughs> Even I can do that math. So the reason is, there is actually a large overlapping group in the middle. You would think it's like 2% of the kids, but it's not. It's actually quite a large overlapping group in the middle who say it happens both ways. I both seek it out intentionally and sometimes people show it to me or I stumble upon it accidentally when I don't mean to. Right. And I think that's important. Or they you know, first stumbled upon it and then seek it out. They acknowledge in the report that there are certain ways they ask the questions that they're not sure they're getting the accurate answers, like any study, and we go into this in our book about parsing any study that you read and where things could have been done differently. What I love about this study is they acknowledge where there are ways they might have done it differently or weren't clear. So one interesting fact that comes from the research is that 77% of LGBTQ plus teens indicated that they have consumed pornography on purpose in the previous seven days. That is 1% more than cis boys who come in at 76%. And what's interesting about that is when asked why they are consuming porn, all of the kids responded and the LGBTQ plus kids indicated that it helped them to explore what their preferences were and what they found arousing. And I found that particularly interesting because as we demonize porn and we talk about how dangerous it can be, and I'm not saying it can't be dangerous, I also want us to think about for kids who don't have a community of fellow people who are exploring sexuality in the same way they are or who might share their identity to 
go online. And this is actually proves out in the data that we heard from the folks in the Harvard Education Project, Project Zero. And that episode is coming out in a couple of weeks that LGBTQ plus kids had a positive outcome the more time spent online. Not necessarily on porn in that Not study. necessarily on porn, but my point is that porn is something we demonize and social media is something we demonize, but for marginalized populations who may not have in-person experiences or opportunities with people of the same identity or preferences to them, online can actually be a place for them to explore their identities, and their preferences. And I'm going to pull that lens even further back because one thing this study did very well is it dove into, hey, how do you think porn works as an educational tool or as an informational tool? You know, not why are you watching it? Oh, because I I want to be sex educated and asking for that answer, but actually flipping the question and saying, do you get sex educated from porn? And it turns out that independent of gender and independent of sexual preference, kids are watching porn, at least in part, because it is informational. They are saying that across the board, regardless of how they identify or who they are attracted to. And here's the numbers. Nearly half, so 45% of all the kids surveyed think porn offers helpful sexual educational information, even though more than half, 52% say, but we know it's not real sex. So they can distinguish between sort of the play acting of porn and the information they want to pull from it, which is a very, very important piece to this study. Because what that screams to the adults in these kids' lives is, yes, they get it. It's not real sex. Most of them, more than half of them, not all of them. They get it. And yet they're still turning to it to get information that they don't feel they can get from other places. That is extraordinarily significant. Extraordinarily significant. Now I want to layer on one other thing. More than half of them, 52%, say they have seen violent and aggressive porn. I thought that was a low number, actually. Yeah, I agree. And that was defined as rape, choking, or pain during sex, okay? So they're turning to this platform for education information, and they're acknowledging they've seen violence and aggression. There's a ton of overlap there. And here's the sort of craziest landing point, the third leg of this stool. Half of them, a full 50% in this study said, And I feel guilty or shameful for having watched it. So they're educating themselves. They kind of believe it's real, but they don't really believe it's real. And most of them say they don't think it's real, but they find it informational. They have seen violence and aggression in it. And they feel ashamed to acknowledge that they're watching it. That's a very complicated combination of emotions to be living with when you're on a phone or on a laptop or on an iPad or any kind of device scrolling through these images. What's interesting is, and this is an aside of sorts, but maybe not an aside, which is the third category of is it violent and aggressive. Is someone being choked, someone being raped, and somebody in pain. 
If you have never had sex before and you have never seen another person orgasm, you don't know whether that person is in pain or in ecstasy, right? So it's actually in a bizarre way, like they don't know what they're seeing. That's an interesting point, especially if they're not communicating about it. If they don't have the basis of the relationship where they're checking in with each other and they're communicating about, is this good? Does this, right. Is that what I'm seeing? Right. Right. That's pretty and interesting. It's, it's just another point where it's like, if you don't know what you're watching, then you're going to interpret it through the lens that you currently have. And if the lens that you currently have is of a 12-year-old, you know, who doesn't even know the word orgasm or even know such a thing exists, then you're going to look at something and think, what the hell is going on? So this gets me to the next point, and I'm actually scrolling to find the actual statistic, but we know that more than half of respondents said that a trusted adult had talked to them about sex, but less than half, fewer than half, less than half. Which is it, Cara? I'm not going to be your grammar police. Okay. If my mom was on, she would tell me. Less than half say that their trusted adults has talked to them about porn, which tells us that many adults are doing a great job of talking about sex, but are probably shying away from the topic of pornography. And I'm going to hold myself out here as an example of improvement needed. I do talk to my kids about sex, shocker. I do talk to my kids about porn <laughs> at shocker, the dinner table <laughs> all the time. And yet this study made it very clear to me that I'm not necessarily talking to them in the right way about the right things. I actually have not said, what are you seeing? Mm. I haven't asked. I think I've told my kids what I worry about. Mm -hmm. I'm worried you're going to see this. I'm worried about violence and aggression. I'm worried, you know, I'm worried you're going to think it's real sex. And But I was reading this study, thinking about how I've communicated with my kids and how my kids might have answered if they were in the study. And I thought, oh, geez, I think they hit all of these complicated, conflicting emotions because I don't think they think it's real because that's what they've heard from me. But they have never really been prompted to answer what valid pieces of information do you think you're getting from it? Or tell me what you've seen. And those are version 2.0 questions. Those are harder questions than the toe in the water. How do you bring this up questions? But they are, sorry, guys, they're questions I'm going to start to ask because this study made it so clear. We will link to the Common Sense Report. You can read the study, which is really written for people who are not scientists. So it's very digestible and readable. It also has a lot of infographics in the report. And then there's an entire page, sort of like a, just a visual page, distilling all the highlight data down to very clear visuals. It's wonderful. We will link to that. There has been a lot of press this week about the study. New York Times did a big article. I think we're going to see more and more press. I hope Common Sense is now going to the kids under 13 and asking these same questions because it's wonderful to know that between 13 and 17, this is a snapshot picture of what's happening. Boy, would I like to hear what's happening between 9 and 12. And for those of you wondering, okay, what do I do with this, right? Besides reading the study and reading the article and obviously listening to this episode. So when stuff comes up that I know I need to talk to my kids about, 
one thing that I do is to reference a source that I have seen or heard or read. So you might be at the dinner table and you might say, hey, I just listened to this podcast and they talked about a new study that says that 71% of kids have seen porn by the age of 17, either accidentally on purpose. Sorry, 73. I suck at statistics. (laughs) But I say it really authoritatively, 73%. And so you might say, what do you think about that? Or does that kind of fit with what you imagine the rates would be? Or does that sound right based on what you know about kids and porn, right? Like, it doesn't sound like, are you part of that 73%? Tell me everything. It's like, I'm curious. I'm casual. I'm wondering. I think that's a great place to start. Most people don't get a hard copy of the New York Times anymore, but if you do or you want to print out the article, they could read that, leave it out. I would say I'm a big fan of sharing the primary sources with kids. On this one, the Common Sense Report is dry. It's well written. It's clear. It's not a page turner for them. So I don't know that they're going to read it, but the infographic is really interesting for them. And the articles that have been written about the report may be really digestible for them and might be great conversation starters. And the one criticism I have of the report, which is really fantastic and groundbreaking, is that the word masturbation is never included in the report. And I would imagine most kids, most teens who are watching pornography are using it for masturbation. And as we have said before, and we will say again, it is important to recognize masturbation as a form of sex, to acknowledge that some kids are using pornography to masturbate, and ultimately to let them know that it's not healthy for them to depend on pornography in order to masturbate. And there are long-term sexual and relational repercussions if they do. So I know we've just given you a basket full of snakes. Um, We are here for follow-up questions. DM us, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com on Instagram at the Puberty Podcast. We hope this is helpful and let us know what you think. Bye, Vanessa. Bye, Cara. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 